0: of the show welcome to episode 47 of the relaxed dog podcast brought to you by therelaxedog.com. thank you very much for finding the show I am your host Robert Ober and I hope that you and your dog are well this week's guest is Gabby Portija from Mexico. But first, in some doggy news, a Labrador retriever by the name of Marley, uh, different spelling to our Marley, uh, it was working as a detector dog in the UK at the ring a ferry terminal in County Cork. Um, she alerted to a van that she got a little bit excited over. Um, when the handlers then searched the van, they found that it had 1.8 million euros worth of cannabis in it. So that was a, a nice big find for Mali. And in Ciara in Brazil... Uh, There's a little bit of a twist on self-service for doggies where a street dog was wandering up and down the street in front of one of the vet clinics there before deciding to go inside and sit down and basically when a vet came out just to investigate, the dog showed some... Signs that the vet interpreted as needing assistance, asked for the dog to follow him into the examination room, which the dog did. And they then examined the dog and found that he had a uh, venereal tumour. Um, so they uh, treating the tumour, uh, called the dog Quindum, and Quindum has uh, now been adopted and apparently doing well with his treatment. And now, this week's interview. Welcome to The Relaxed Dog. I'm here with Gabby Portija. How are you?
1: Hi, Robert. I'm very happy to be here in The Relaxed Dog. Thank you for the invite. Uh, It's my pleasure to join you and your audience today.
0: I'm looking forward to having a chat with you and hearing all about Leo.
1: Yes, of course. Well, I must start saying that Leo and I, we live in Mexico. I'm Mexican. He's Mexican too. He's a Belgian shepherd. And when I decided to adopt a dog, I didn't know what I was getting into, really. (laughs) I was around, if I'm not mistaken, maybe 24 years old and I didn't have the typical childhood where my parents loved dogs they never allowed us to have dogs my dad didn't like animals at all so it was my first dog like my first the first dog that I was gonna get in my adulthood like I want a dog and so I wanted to adopt a puppy and it was a female and this girl the the rescuer she, at the moment, she, she regretted, she, I was already all jazzed up about adopting that puppy that it turned out to be a Belgian shepherd. So I fell in love with that puppy and she got stuck in my heart. And so I spent a year looking for another Belgian shepherd in adoption because I just, I just, it just crushed my heart not to be able to adopt her. So
0: okay. was long there story short. anything in particular <laughs> about the Belgian shepherd that sort of drew you in to that breed?
1: Well, it was just this sparky puppy. She was newly rescued. I didn't know anything about her breed. I just liked her and we connected and she was all happy and jumpy and inquisitive and just curious. And I liked that about her. And yeah, and so I just started looking and I said, I like that, that, that dog. So one year later, I found Leo and I decided to adopt him. And that's when everything started.
0: (laughs) So when you say you found Leo, can you give us a little bit more information on how that happened?
1: Yeah, well, I kept constantly looking at pages and, you know, adoption pages and just scrolling and seeing, and I was looking for that spark that I felt with that first puppy. I knew nothing about dogs back then. And I couldn't find it. And suddenly I found uh, an ad on one of the adoption pages and it says, Belgian puppies for adoption. You know, accidentally the parents um interbred And so we have these puppies and we're looking for homes. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go look at them. Mm-hmm. So I arrived at the place and they were this like six puppy leader and some kids grabbed a box and all the puppies will just came out of the box. <laughs> And curiously enough, there was a little female puppy. very similar to the one that I wanted to adopt a year ago. So, but I didn't click with her. And suddenly this shy puppy just came to me and just reclined his head on my, on my foot. And I grabbed him and he just looked me in the eye. And I was like, this is him. I'm going to take this puppy. So it was a love at first sight moment. And that's what the adventure begin because everyone started telling me you did what? And like <laughs> you adopted a Belgian shepherd, you know, nothing about dogs. Those, those dogs are aggressive. They're, they, they need really, really heavy training. And oof, if you don't do it, okay, then everything's going to go sideways really quickly. So you better get your, yourself into training lessons and stuff. And I'm, I wanted to be a good dog mom. So I wanted to do everything right. And I started researching and, you know, all this breed stuff that you read and Belgian shepherds, they're working dogs. And so I started looking for training. Sadly, back then, that's around 13 years ago, here in Mexico, you couldn't find a clicker trainer whatsoever. Like there was just a couple of clicker trainings around the whole country. And of course I didn't know anything about clicker training. I just knew, well, the trainer in the park and everything was just choke chains and authoritarian methods. So, well, I committed a lot of mistakes with Leo that I wouldn't repeat now, of course. And I, which I regret a lot, but we started our, our journey through training And around when Leo was like seven months old, the problems really started to kick in. He started to develop uh, thunder phobia, fireworks phobia. Um, He had fear of tons of things in the street. He was afraid of lights, cars. He would pull a lot on the leash. Um, he would be reactive to other dogs, he would get into fights in the park, he would always get some kind of injury, um, he had diarrheas, vomits, we were all the time we were on the vet, I, I gave him like special kibble, you know, like hypoallergenic stuff, he would get constantly ear infections, he was a mess. And me too, because I suffered with him. I was like, what's wrong? I'm I'm supposedly doing everything that I need to do. And people keep telling me I need to train more with him because he has this behavior problems. And the more I train, the more problems I see. So there's something wrong here. And so I decided to start studying um, in other countries about dogs. And I just look away from what was in my country and... So I started discovering that here in Mexico, we we're like 40 years <laughs> in the past <laughs> regarding dog training and dog education. And so I need. I said, I need to do something about this. So I started learning. I started retraining with Leo now with positive reinforcement and just working with him, all sorts of therapies. And um well, that led me to quit my former job. <laughs> I was a graphic designer and I worked in web design and stuff. And I said, no, I want to do docs. I want to create a space where people can learn the things that they need to know about their docs because this is not fair. I ruined Leo's life because I didn't know better. And I believed in the professionals that were telling me that I needed to yell more and Mm. jerk more the leash and it was just I, I didn't want to keep doing that and so yeah that's that's like the beginning with Leo Leo has always I mean in the, in that part of his youth like for the first three years of his life he was very very scared of a lot of things mm-hmm. and of course now I know why right <laughs> because now I dedicate my life to dogs since that happened and I know how How punishment training destroys dogs hearts and spirits and everything and just creates more problems than solutions and
0: do you think it was just that type of training or do you think there were any sort of other like environmental factors that happened when he was around that sort of six months age
1: well, I didn't know how to handle thunder thunderstorms. So the first thunderstorm that we lived, went through together, it was a very, very hard. We were on vacations and we were in a new environment. We, we were in a very loud environment. Like the thunderstorm was just crazy and I didn't know what to do. And he just got scared. And the next thunderstorm that we went through happened again and I didn't know what to do. And so it just kept getting worse, the fear. And he, he is a very sensitive dog. He is a highly sensitive dog ever since the beginning. So all the, the authoritarian methods and training classes just put him on alert more than he already was. Like he was, I'm, I'm always doing something wrong. I'm always doing something wrong. So he became really dependent on me for everything. Like he would lose his ball underneath a a sofa and he wouldn't go and search for the ball. He would ask me like, my ball is there. Can you get it for me? You know, that kind of Mm -hmm. just, he lost like his initiative and his creativity and so, over the years, and through my work with him and with other dogs and learning and helping people um, help their dogs get over those traumas, I started helping Leo to recover his own his own spirit, his own autonomy, his own um, yeah creativity, and just life curiosity, you know because he he was lacking a lot of that so I did a lot with him. We trained a lot in positive stuff. We practice agility. I thought he liked sports because, you know, working dogs, that's what That's what they do. But there was something that I I still back then like he was like around 6 years old and I said there's something missing. Like, I'm missing something here in the equation. Like, okay, we've improved tons. I already created this. Um, I created a foundation and organization to help people and dogs. And I worked with a lot of cases and help everyone. But in my close relationship with Leo, I would see him like he wasn't thriving. Like he was, there was something missing for him. And Then another dog came to to teach me about about that the thing is not about training, that I needed to just uh, free the mind (laughs) of the dogs. Mm -hmm. And so I started to just stop completely all training with Leo, stop, just, I didn't ask him anything. I just started to have a free relationship with him. And that's when, the real Leo started to came out of his shell, you know, like then through his, through, through the, the freedom that we experienced, we, I lived in Mexico city. So we had a very city like life. We lived in an apartment, we walked on a leash, you know, all those things. So I decided to move out of the city to more to the countryside. And I didn't know I thought only Leo needed that, but I discovered that I also was yearning to live out of the city. (laughs) So through discovering Leo's real needs, I was discovering my own needs. And I started to see this mirroring effect in our relationship. And so when we moved, on more to the countryside, I realized that Leo was much more of a free dog. He wasn't afraid of things as he used to be. I was more relaxed, so he was more relaxed. And he started to show me a lot about this mirroring that happens with dogs and humans. And that's when I started to put attention, pay attention to this mirroring effect Mm -hmm. and phenomenon. Mm -hmm. And well, now I have a project that's called Dog Sensitive where I do canine mirroring therapy thanks to all the things that i learned with leo and the other dogs that live with me right now but there was something that was really curious about all this that leo was very he's always been sensitive as i already said and the fear he had for fireworks and thunderstorms was really really deep like i started using backflower remedies and massage therapy and sound therapy and all the therapies, holistic therapies that you can possibly use and preparing a soundproof uh, room and a special kennel, which was his bunker, you know, and all of this. And I felt like there was little advance, very little. We move forward on the fear Yes, he would control it better. He wouldn't like wanted to bolt out of a window anymore, but there was a deep fear still present there. And when I started really looking into the mirroring part of the relationship and I, I wondered if he could be mirroring my own fears Mm-hmm. And back then, I was like, "I was like, no, but i'm I'm not afraid of anything. You know I'm fine. I'm strong. I'm not afraid of life." And well, that wasn't the truth. actually, um, the part of of the deep fear of Leo was related to deep fears that I had about life, about relationships, about a lot of things that I didn't want to look into. And they were really buried in my unconscious mind. So until I started going to a deep therapy and personal development and working on myself, and then then the deep fear that Leo had to thunderstorms and fireworks start, started to go down for the first time after trying... Everything. And nothing worked as I expected until I started working through this lens of the mirroring part with with our dogs. And it was just amazing to discover this. it was It was very, very fulfilling and very encouraging to just see these changes, and not only in Leo, uh, we are right now we have a family of four dogs. Leo lives with Jake, Lua, and Hannah. And they also helped us a lot because they, they started teaching us about freedom. Cause of course, after Leo, I didn't want to train my other dogs at all. Not, not with treats, not with anything, you know, it was like just about coexistence and understanding the family dynamics between dogs and humans and the different nuances in their relationships and the different nuances in their personalities. So So that's where where I could see really the magic of living with dogs. So Leo has changed my life big time. And he has like, everything started because of him. And by everything, I mean, my whole life changed. Like I have, me and my partner, we have moved houses and states. like, I don't know how many times, maybe like 10 times the last five years because of our dogs because we want a better place for them because we want to see them thrive and we want to see them um, enjoy more than uh, nature outside as well as we want that for us too. So as a family, we've we've changed a lot and everything started there with Leo.
0: So you mentioned that's uh, quite a few sort of moves of, of location. How, Do you think Leo goes with the transition to a a new place?
1: Well, he loves it. He loves traveling. He loves changing houses. Because I think the first one, the move from the city, from living in an apartment to arriving to the countryside, to a big yard and house, he was thrilled about that. He loves the car ever since he was little. He loves the car. So anything related to traveling, he really likes it.
0: Where's his? So, where's his favorite spot in the car?
1: Um, he likes it. He moves around. He, <laughs> he likes to have access to the two windows and like to the back uh, window too. Like he just likes to be all about looking outside and seeing what's going on. And he his favorite place is the beach. He loves the ocean. He really loves the ocean. And so as for the moving, he starts seeing boxes and that we're packing and he gets excited. He's like, yes, adventure coming again. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs>
0: it's
1: funny. Yeah. He's funny. He's funny because most dogs have trouble with changes or start getting confused or don't know what, what's going to happen. But I always talk a lot to my dogs and I explain to them mm-hmm. as well, verbally, as well as energetically, you know, Transmit them the emotions that everything is going to be fine. We're moving and we're going to stay together. And yeah, but Leo definitely enjoys the adventure and the newness.
0: So you mentioned he does like going to the beach. So he's, is it uh, sort of strong waves? He likes going into the the salt water. And does he also like going into like still water, like uh, freshwater lakes and things like that? Or
1: he likes any water, pond, any water feature that's out there except pools. <laughs> he hates pools because the first time he was very young, he was around eight months old. And we went to a place where there was a pool and I was just preparing myself, you know, getting my bathing suit on. And suddenly I heard a splash and Leo was already in the middle of the pool with a, scared to that expression in his face (laughs) like oh my god the, the floor just disappeared I don't know what's this just help me get out of here and unfortunately that pool had just very little stair steps in far on the other end where leo was so he was freaking out i just jumped into the pool and helped him out but ever since then he hates pools he won't touch a pool he sees that and he's like oh no those things are dangerous (laughs) but other than that he loves water Mm -hmm. muddy ponds muddy puddles um the the sea water he's he just bites the waves and he just Runs and he has this amazing happy phase when we're at the beach that I really like.
0: Yeah, he really loves that. Does it, Does that include liking bath time as well? No, bath time.
1: Now. <laughs> Unfortunately, the the category of taking a bath is not something that he enjoys. He hates it. Um, he of course because now he's 13 years old he's learned that he needs to take a bath every once in a while and he just puts up with it but (laughs) he doesn't enjoy it he's like oh no I really need to do this yeah
0: all right um, with other grooming sort of bits and pieces like nails or anything like that
1: he he never he never liked grooming a, a lot. He doesn't like it. I mean, he he tolerates it, and he's just like, okay, yeah, okay, just, yeah. Can you be fast? Okay, yeah, <laughs> cut. I, I'm gonna allow you to cut like four nails today. Can we do the other four tomorrow, and the rest another day? <laughs> yeah. Mm.
0: So when you were, um back when he was younger and living in the city. Do, do you have like any parks and things like that nearby or was it a an, yes. ef- an effort to get to an area where he could have you know, have a little bit more of a run we
1: had uh, we had few parks decent sized parks where I could go there and meet other people with their dogs and I would take the leash off Leo and he would play with our dogs but he was never a fan of playing with other dogs he's more of a, a people dog like he loves people and other dogs is like yeah yeah whatever mm-hmm. and he was obsessed with the ball as many belgian shepherds happened to be <laughs> yeah. and so back then as i already said i didn't know how how much um damage can an obsession to the ball can can do so i would just say incredible i throw the ball he loves it We can do this 100 times. It's okay. Fantastic. (laughs) So, and everyone was so excited because, oh, your dog is so responsive and he always comes when you call and it's amazing. And yeah, of course he had the psycho face on, all obsessed and like in super drive mode for the ball. And he had this huge obsession with balls. So that's something that I changed with time too because it just altered his nerves. I I realized when I removed the ball game, his anxiety levels went down in all the areas of his life and it impacted in a positive way, the fears of the thunder and everything. Mm -hmm. So that's the first time I saw directly the correlation between obsessively throwing the ball (laughs) and and the impact that it has in the general anxiety levels of a dog. So, yeah, I I made all the mistakes you can do with a dog with Leo. I made them all.
0: But a lot of us do. That's how we learn.
1: <laughs> yeah. And he's very patient. He's a sweetheart. He loves me a lot and he's still here around and he's just like, sometimes I can see in his face like, do you remember those crazy times, mom?
0: <laughs> <laughs> so with the... The ball obsession, was there ever any issues with other people's balls?
1: Um, No, he was very respectful, actually, from other dogs' balls, too, because my sister used to have a, a dog. He was a golden retriever who had a ball obsession too, but he would steal all the balls from other people's dogs in the park. And we would get into trouble because it was always like we had to have balls every time, just replacement balls for people because he would steal the balls and stuff. No, Leo, no. Leo was very respectful. Like that's not my ball. Actually, if someone, if a dog had something in his mouth, he would be like, no, that's not for me to touch he was very respectful about that. Another very interesting personality trait about Leo is he's always been a very clean dog. He hates pee and poo, whatever. He he was, ever since he was a, a puppy, he would, I remember one day that it was really cold at night. He was just, I don't know, three months old or less, probably. And He used to like to sleep in the kitchen with the door to the garden open, to the patio open. And so he would poop outside, of course, but that night it was very cold. And I thought it was going to be dangerous if he went to the cold night outside. So I left the, the door of the kitchen closed. And in the morning he had pooped inside the kitchen and he was just looking at me with a super mad face and he would turn it around. Like, I'm not going to talk to you woman because you made me do this. The door was closed. I hate poops. So, and if accidentally he would step on on, on the park you know sometimes people don't pick up after their dogs. so he would step on a poop he would come just jumping and and just shaking the the paw like oh my god no look what i did i step on poop i can't do so <laughs> he, he's been like that even when he we had uh recurrent problems of diarrhea he had when he was younger and at, in the middle of the night i know 3 a.m in the morning he wanted to go outside because he had diarrhea. And I was like, come on, just do it here. It's okay. There's no problem. We lived in an apartment, you know? So here's, you know, newspaper, just do it there. And he was like, no, I need to go out. I don't know how he he could hold it. (laughs) So we went out and he dragged me along the streets to find the perfect spot just to be able to go to the bathroom. (laughs) It was just ridiculous (laughs) because I never understood how he could do that so that's a personality trait that i find interesting because i've lived with other dogs and they're not that obsessive about being clean but leo
0: is <laughs> oh, that's nice Were <laughs> <laughs> um, there any other sort of like uh, issues that he had to go to the vet for
1: Yeah, he had a lot of issues when he was a puppy. I I know it was because of his stress levels and anxiety levels. He was always anxious. So he had a lot of gastrointestinal issues. And he, by then, back then I didn't know anything about natural nutrition and natural food. So of course he ate kibble. And if he get to eat anything other than kibble, he would just have diarrhea again. And anything out of order and he would have diarrhea like all the time. And of course you went to the vet and he got antibiotics. So his gut was just completely non-functional. So yeah, we went to the vet a lot for nothing, nothing crazy, but for a lot of regular small issues that were really, that couldn't leave leave him alone, you know?
0: Okay. So, with the mostly kibble diet, did you have any other sort of like favorite food or snacks that may or may not you think have impacted on his health?
1: No, he couldn't eat any snacks because he, he, he just started vomiting or with diarrhea. So it was a very strict diet that he had when he was young. Until I started learning about natural nutrition and I said, this is not working. So I started preparing natural meals for him and slowly with bone broth and stuff, he started healing his gut and the diarrhea stopped and also the ear infection stopped. And he also had rashes under the armpits and, you know, every once in a while. So all of those health issues stopped when I started giving natural nutrition and natural food. And so, and starting using natural supplements such as coconut oil and, you know, just taking away all the toxic stuff. And of course, managing anxiety problems
0: also. Around about how old was he when you started making that transition?
1: Yeah. To the natural food, it was like around six years old. Mm -hmm. it, It was when I started learning about that and yeah so it was a very i would say a very difficult uh in the beginning and i felt really frustrated the first years with leo because i felt like i've continuously i kept failing him you know like i don't know why we do this we do that i went to all the training schools i did what everyone says I should do. I'm giving you the most expensive food ever. You know, we mm-hmm. go to the vet every week. Like, what am I missing? So it was very frustrating. And I guess that's part of why I was so motivated to help others because I I saw other people struggling like I was and I was like, this can't be like that. You know, it shouldn't be this hard. And I don't think this, this is as hard as it should. And of course, I know that Belgian Shepherds are not the regular dog. <laughs> and of course I didn't know I was getting a very sensitive dog. They're very, very sensitive. And through my work, what I've discovered with this breed in particular, which I love, I have a soft spot for them. And I think it's a breed that is very misunderstood. And I, as well as many working dogs, so to speak, because we label them. I think that labels don't help and we label dogs and we generalize that because it's, they're supposed to be a working Mm -hmm. dog, they should work. And I mean, they're individuals and they have their own preferences, their their own life and their own choices but we just assume a lot about them and we decide a lot about them if not everything in their life. And we miss the magic of getting to know really that dog in particular, absolutely because we just absolutely. labeled we labeled him. I, he's a he's going to be aggressive. He's a male. It's going to be hard for you as a woman to handle him. It's a very difficult breed. Um, it's a working breed. So I had all this pre notions that people just handed me and I mm-hmm. willingly took those labels. And I said, this is the dog that's living with me without realizing that I was doing exactly the opposite that I wanted, which was getting to know Leo for who he was and having the opportunity to develop a unique relationship and to get to know for real his personality. And so I think a lot of people, we make that mistake because we think dogs are hard to handle and are this, weird um, different creature than us and at the same time we have this arrogance that we think we know everything about dogs and so we assume a lot I think that's the problem we assume a lot about them
0: we have, and we think a, they're we have a lot of problems with how we make how our mind works and makes assumptions and just see an example a movie will come out and there'll be this movie version of a particular breed of dog, and then all of a sudden, all the breeders in that area are inundated with people saying, I want a dog like that because I want the movie version of that dog when it's not necessarily the real-life version of that dog.
1: No, of course not. And what I've discovered through training is that it boxes the dog into fitting our own expectations. I mean, positive reinforcement and teaching tricks and and playing sports with your dog and training him. It, it looks cool on the outside. But what dogs have taught me over the years is like, have you asked me if I wanted to do this? Did you ever stop and really ask me if I wanted to do this or if I had a different idea. And we tend to correct when the dogs are creative and, and spontaneous and just full of life and full of uh, laughter and jokes. And we tend to correct that and we don't like that. And we say, no, you're getting out of the norm. That's not, that's not what I want from you. I, I wasn't expecting that. You know, like this dogs that they just go into agility competitions and that they, they just feel like playing and <laughs> they start skipping the obstacles, you know, and mm-hmm. we, we see them in funny videos, but for many people, that's not funny. And they're like, just labeled like a bad dog because they're not obeying or you, or, or you are labeled like a bad human because you don't know how to train w- properly. And I think that's something that I learned the hard way with Leo and he learned the hard way with me because we went all to the deep end of training in every form possible. And then I had to deconstruct that training to unleash Leo's mind and free him from all the preconceptions of who he should be instead of who he was.
0: No, oh, I like that, can, can very much relate to that. Um, so we have a, a, a Doberman and she's always enjoyed just when even off the lead, like running. And so I just let her run. And then that led me to take her to a couple of um, events where people and dogs can run together. And I've never actually forced her to do anything, but she naturally just likes running and pulling me along. And then that sort of progressed into doing some dry land mushing where I have a, a, a scooter and she has wow. a harness and she, I don't have to say anything. I don't tell her to do anything. She just runs. And when she wants to stop, we stop. <laughs> so uh, that's I'm now part of, a, for the last couple of years, part of a club. And we do some uh, racing in the winter in, when it's a, a lot cooler here in Australia Alongside the huskies and the you know, and the, the sure. malamutes, and I have a doberman, and people give me a strange look sometimes if they if they're not new or if so when, when they're new, why is a doberman doing? It's like because she likes it. <laughs> it's not my. Right. I I didn't choose to to bring her down here to be you know like oh, okay, if I would have done that, I would have brought a husky or a Malamut.
1: <laughs> right, that's
0: her choice. <laughs>
1: that's amazing robert that's really really great story because even those dogs like huskies and malamutes they're they're generalized what i was saying you know mm-hmm. like we assumed all of those dogs would love to do the same thing forever and ever and it's
0: not true no certainly and not no so going back to leo and then when you were moving around you now uh, you said before you now have four dogs how was the first dog brought into or Leo's first uh, canine companion? How did that go?
1: Okay, well, this is a, a funny story because I was looking for to going on vacations with Leo, so I wanted a pet friendly hotel. It was the first time we went to the beach, and I found a pretty nice eco hotel with just like four cabins in a very far away beach here in Mexico, in Oaxaca. And that's where I met my husband, my now husband, mm-hmm. cause he had a dog too. <laughs> and we connected through dogs and then time passed and we decided to move in together. And he brought one, his dog from the beach to move into with Leo, Leo and me. So it was funny cause Leo was really excited my husband's dog was a, a female, uh, mixed breed, really beautiful, you know, like a fantail. She was all like glamorous. <laughs> she was sort of a border collie type. And Leo was just like, wow, that dog is amazing. <laughs> and he was like instantly drawn to play with her and she would give him the cold shoulder, like, No, I won't. I I don't know. Who are you? I don't want to play with you. (laughs) So he had like a platonic crush with his, um, his (laughs) sister. And with time they started, I remember the first day that Boomsie was her name. The first time Boomsie played with him, he was ecstatic. And then after the play ended he came running to me like if he was going to tell me did you see what just happened mom <laughs>
0: like
1: i just had it was m- the best moment of my life just happened you know so it was really nice to see that he was very receptive to live with other dogs contrary to what i thought mm. i thought he was going to get jealous cuz he was had been always an only dog and always with me and you know we never separated <laughs> like i took him with me everywhere so i said he's gonna resent it but he didn't he actually enjoyed it
0: ah nice mm-hmm. and then that built onto to a third dog and sometimes a third one is where some people have issues
1: yeah the third dog was the interesting the second part of the story it was a friend of mine called me and said, Gabby, you know, I know you like Belgian shepherds and I'm struggling here with a puppy. Uh, my parents' dogs just um, had a litter and we're not selling them. We're putting them for adoption because it was an accident and we didn't want this to happen. But um, so I'm I'm living in Mexico city and this dog is destroying my apartment. So I was wondering if you could help me find a good home for her mm-hmm. Or if you can give her like foster home for a little while. And I was like, oh, he sent me some pictures and I was, oh, my God, I, I'm in love with this dog already. <laughs> and so I said, OK, we'll foster. Let's see. And he brought it. He brought her to our house. And of course, the foster situation lasted two hours. And we said she's staying. Mm-hmm. Leo was excited about having that puppy. He was like, Oh, you look fun.
0: How okay. old was Leo at that stage?
1: He was, I would say six years, probably. Okay. Yep. Five or six more or less. And, and see the other dog, she was around three. She wasn't very happy about the new puppy. She was like, Hmm, <laughs> I'm the boss. Okay. So just, With respect, okay? So this little puppy, she was the cutest thing. And she came to teach me that I didn't know anything about dogs. I was like, of course, now I know I won't commit the same mistakes that I did with Leo because now I know better and I have all these tools and I dedicate my life to dogs and I train dogs. So everything is going to be amazing with this new puppy. I had huge expectations, you know, (laughs) like I was like, okay, she's a Belgian shepherd, but now I know everything about that. (laughs) So everything's going to go right. So we had all the tools, toys, everything that you need to do to prepare the house for a puppy. I wanted to do everything. We started applying all that I knew, all that I usually work with puppies and nothing worked with her. (laughs) She was like, "Uh -uh, I'm going to destroy everything that you know about dogs. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So it was a fun adventure and that's when we said we need a bigger house because it was it was not that big and she started growing a lot fast and she was wild she was on the country from leo she would just i don't know she would pee on her newspaper inside the house and then just lay down on top of that, playing with her ball. Why not? So she was a mess. She was not nothing clean as Leo. She Everything that was dirty, she would do it. She would get into trouble every time that she could. She was demanding as demanding as a dog can be. Yeah, super if, challenging.
0: Was Leo's behavior, you think, any different when she did have uh when she did have the scent of when she was lying in her wee knowing how well, clean leo was
1: <laughs> he no leo was disgusted by her he was like <laughs> oh my god she peed on the on the living room that that's how could you do that he was just disgusted by pee and poo everywhere and he was like this is not okay mom we need to do something <laughs> <You know? laughs> And actually she learned a lot of behaviors that I didn't teach her uh, from Leo just watching him. It was very interesting to watch that. He was, Leo was really, well, because he was really trained. <laughs> he did a lot of like, you know, he always sat down when there was food around and he knew that he was gonna get something, but he didn't have to beg for it or anything. And so she started copying Leo for everything. And he he was like, Her older brother, you know, Mm -hmm. so everywhere Leo was, she was there with him. Like, I'm going to copy you. You're like my dad. You look like my dad. So (laughs) it was very cute to watch. She was a very challenging puppy and Leo was very patient with her. Boomsy wasn't. She would scold her every, every day about something. (laughs) She would just get mad at her, but Leo was very patient. He was like the wise one of the house and he would just she would do something bad or a mischief you know and leo would come to me like there's problems we have a problem like you need to come see what she did so yeah
0: i'm gonna ask when you've been sort of like out or or traveling do you get people giving you or talking to you and and because you have that particular breed with the belgians and saying oh why is this a is it you know a, a working is it a protection uh, what sort of you know are you doing particular dog sports and having a a different sort of approach to you than when you're out with one of the other dogs
1: yes definitely especially here in mexico i don't know how is it is in other countries but people are really afraid of belgian shepherds like which is convenient because we don't have the most um, secure country in the world. <laughs> you know. So for a woman to be just walking outside, I mean, it's just because they look at Leo and they say, oh my God, that's that's a guard dog, you know? Yes, people behave different. They always think the worst of Belgian Shepherds. They're afraid of them. And Leo is really a sweetheart, as I always say. If someone wanted to rob my house, Leo would just show them where the tea is and the, you know, like here, you can heat your water here, take a seat. he's, He's such a sweetheart. And, um, but yeah, definitely. And one of our other dogs, his name is Jake. He's a mixed breed, sort of a lab, but very like skinnier than a lab. So he's black. And because of his color, also people get scared of him. He's black with yellow eyes. And... It's just funny how people react to them. And and the fourth dog is Hannah. And she's little and yellow and very cute. And she's not people friendly. She just, I mean, she doesn't bite or anything, but she don't doesn't like people. And so people assume that she's a friendly one. And they go like, Oh, Hannah. And she's like, Oh, don't touch me, please. I don't want to be petted. You know, and and Leo is like, No, pet me. And <laughs> and everyone reacts like, "Oh, you like petting," and I'm like, "Yeah." <laughs> so again, that's we can there we can see the labels and the uh, generalizations yep. that people make. I, I guess it happens to you with your Doberman, right?
0: It it does, yeah. And um, where we are, there's, there's not a whole lot of them around. And I was going to ask how yeah, how popular the, the Belgians are with around with you and, and in Mexico.
1: How popular?s Well, because of movies, they started to get popular, which Mm -hmm. is sad because people abandon them a lot. I have a lot of cases where people ask me for counseling because they just adopted one and has a lot of um, behavior issues. Because again, they're very sensitive dogs. I don't know. uh, That's why they're so good at working because they're very sensitive and they pick up on a lot of information really fast in cues of the environment. And they're always in a hypervigilance mode because of their sensitivity. And I think people don't see that sensitive part of them. And they just think they're hardworking dogs and they need to be just treated, you know, like more rude and just with firm voice and stuff. And they are like, they're so sweet. And they don't need contrary to what people think that they need a heavy hand and they need, you know, a lot of structure and discipline. I find it it's the opposite, completely the opposite. Anyway, I don't think any dog needs a heavy hand or a lot of discipline or anything. I think dogs no. need to be dogs and we need to allow them to be dogs because that's why we love them, because Absolutely. they're dogs.
0: That's what they should be. Dogs are dogs.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: So how do you think Leah has changed much now? Is he getting into the sort of like a more mature sort of like uh, areas when it comes to play and activity or is he still maintaining that youthful sort of exuberance?
1: No, definitely he's changed a lot, especially the last year. I saw like a um, an important decline in his activity levels. And of course we check him, blood tests and all that stuff. He's fine, but I saw a decline on his overall um engagement with life. Now he has very he's he has always been, in particular, he has, I always say, kind of like like an Asperger's mind. I think he's always been like very routine focused. He has an obsessive mind. He's like I do this, I always walk on the right side three times, you know, like he Mm -hmm. tends to do things in sequence. And when he wants to call my attention because he heard a noise or something, he would just bark and bark until I say, thank you for letting me know that's going on. And then he stops. So he's very insistent and like focused. So now in this new stage of his life, He is very focused on his routines, like the schedule. He will just go down, like we have a two-story house and the garden. So he sleeps on the second floor and then he goes down at a specific time of the day. He walks a specific amount of times along the garden. He goes sniff. The same bushes in the same order every day then he lays in the sun at the same time he rolls you know he does like a, a series of things he might change a bit here and there but it's mostly the same routine and around 6 30 he asks to come up again to just like switch okay it's gonna be nighttime it's gonna be bedtime now I'm gonna I want my upstairs routine so it's really funny to watch but I I let him choose a lot of stuff since a very long time ago. So when we go out for hiking, for example, I would always ask each one of our dogs if they wanna come or not. And Leo has been choosing more and more not to go. And he answers this by, I say, do you wanna go? And if he wants to go, he comes and walks towards me. And if he doesn't, he just retreats and just sits like near his bed or, far away from where i am so that's the signal of no i don't want i want to stay Mm -hmm. so before he would always want to go because he loves the car even if it was just a short trip to the store or something but now he's choosing more and more to stay at home and yeah he's just a significant decline in in activity that's what i would
0: say it's the main Throughout his life, we didn't didn't I haven't asked you. Did he has he been the change in sleeping arrangements?
1: Um, in what sense?
0: In like a lot of people will just do like crate their dogs overnight, and on the other side of the scale, a lot of people let their dogs sleep in bed with them.
1: Yeah. Well. Leo, it's it's horrible to sleep with him because if he sleeps in my bed, he would just push, take over the whole bed, sleep across the bed, push everyone. He moves a lot. Ever since he was young, he would just get up scratch the bed, turn, 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 scratch again. Just, he makes a lot of noises with his mouth. So a long time ago, I said, you know what? It's not sustainable. I'm not sleeping properly. So you need to sleep outside my bedroom. And he was fine. He was like, okay, whatever. He didn't resent it or anything. So he has always slept since then in his bedroom, except when it's storm or, or fireworks. Now he he sleeps in his place. He has no problem. But before when he was still like, oh, it's gonna rain. Can I sleep with you? You know, like a little kid. And we were like, okay, yeah, come sleep with us. It's okay. But um, so he sleeps in his bed and it has to be his bed, that particular bed, because we have similar beds. Like we have equal beds. Like we bought the same model of bed and we have beds for everyone. But Leo's bed is Leo's bed. And if there's another of the dogs is in his bed, he would come to me and just stare at me and start barking like, mom, there's someone in my bed. I need (laughs) help. (laughs) And it's funny how Jake likes to bother him. I think he just laughs at him. It's, Jake has a very particular sense of humor. So he would, just because he wants I I seriously believe he just wants to bother Leo for a while. So he goes towards Leo's bed and he starts doing this play invitations to Leo. Leo gets excited, like, oh, my brother wants me to play with him. He's always very naive. So he gets up, he starts playing and Jake immediately stops the game and wins the bed. (laughs) (laughs) So... Leo, instead of, I mean, Leo is the biggest dog in the house. He could easily growl and Jake would move, but he doesn't. So he goes, he comes to me and he asks for help. And I know his, I know his bed face, like, uh, okay, someone is in your bed. I know it. So I need to go and I, Jake and Jake would look at me like, he's such a whiner. And I was like, Jake, just, just leave his bed, please get up he would be like all grumpy, like, uh, oh, okay. <laughs> so yeah, Leo has to be in his bed at the same time, you know, that's, so his bed is, he has this, this thing where he always uh, tear his beds apart when he was young.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like he was obsessed with beds and they were there. I don't know how many beds I, I bought him throughout his life. And I always saw this Costco bed. I don't know if you know them, the, the big Costco beds that are like a, a mini sofa and it's super puffy and big. And I always saw those. And I said, Leo, once you're a mature dog and you don't read bets, I swear to God, I'm going to buy you that bed, but not yet. <laughs> and so it was kind of bitter when that day came because he stopped tearing beds apart. Like it was like two and a half years ago. Barely, he just <laughs> stopped doing it. And so we finally got him the Costco bed and we had to get Costco beds for everyone. And so now he loves that bed and it's Leo's bed, but yeah, he stopped chewing on her. That was the first sign that, okay, this is a new stage in his life. You know, he stopped tearing beds apart. Oh, no. <laughs> he wouldn't destroy any other thing in the house, just his beds. So I was okay with that. I was like, what am I gonna say? It's his bed. You know, and then every time he would chew on one and destroy it, he would be so disappointed afterwards. Like, now where I'm going to sleep, I don't have a bed anymore. (laughs) I was like, that's what I keep telling you. You destroy your bed, you don't have a bed anymore. But in the moment he got caught up in emotions and just that amazing burst of energy against his bed.
0: (laughs) So you mentioned um, taking him hiking. Is there any adventures that come to mind?
1: Um, he's not very adventurous, like wonders on his own. He will just always stay close. He likes likes just to be smelling, 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 smelling. That's all he does when we go hiking. Nothing extraordinary. Just if we stumble upon a small creek or a tiny river, you know, or a puddle of water. Then he goes and does his mini adventure of getting all wet and muddy. (laughs) But yeah, no. Our other dogs like Jake and Hannah, they love to just, we here where we live, we go hiking to a place where there's a lot of free roaming cows and, and horses and, you know, just there grassing. And so um, Jake and Hannah just like to go there and chase cows and just, and then they, I hear the bark and they come back like, we found them, we found the cows. And they go and do their thing, but Leo won't go ever with them. He's like, no, I'll be with my family here.
0: Question I ask everyone is to complete the sentence I can't believe my dog ate.
1: I can't believe my dog ate. I'm gonna say I don't have that one with Leo. That's one of the things he hasn't done. I mean, I have. I can't believe my dog ate with other dogs, but not with Leo. No, nope. he is. He's been very cautious about that. I can't believe my dog hasn't ate anything <laughs> weird.
0: Yeah, no, that's all right. It's uh, an answer I get from quite a few people, and. That's an answer I like to get. <laughs> yeah. Some of the answers have been very interesting. So.
1: <laughs> I know. I used to like that that TV show of the dog ate what. I was always surprised about what the dogs ate. Okay,
0: not familiar with the show. So that was a, a show in Mexico on there.
1: No, I think it was an Animal Planet.
0: But okay,
1: it was old. I. <laughs> Haven't seen it like forever, but maybe it's on YouTube somewhere, but it was like the dog ate what? And they would would uh, broadcast the weirdest cases, like a dog once ate a whole um, clock. No one. Yeah, weird stuff.
0: <laughs> mm. um, <clears throat> you've mentioned a, a few times that now your whole life re- re- revolves around dogs and helping people and you have uh, a business or and different things there. Do you want to just uh, say a little bit about that?
1: For sure, yes. Um, our project is called Dog Sensitive and the name is very important because that's what dogs have taught me to do, to be dog sensitive, like really get attuned to their real needs and to listen to them and to just step back from all the preconceived notions about dogs and what we think we know about them and to really listen to the dogs you live with. So one of the main pillars in dog sensitive is mirroring to understand the mirroring phenomenon between us and our dogs and how they reflect a lot of our family dynamics in their behavior. Like for example, I get a lot of cases where They asked me, Gabby, you know, my dogs have, I mean, we've lived together for five years and they never fought before. And they just got into a huge fight and they were injuries and I don't know why. And then we start analyzing the case and we start talking and a conflict, a very recent conflict just started in the family. Like the mom wouldn't speak to the daughter or two brothers were in a fight, you know, like that kind of family conflict and the dogs were mirroring those dynamics back to the people. So that's one of the main things I work in my private consultation and through the classes in dog sensitive. And mainly the project is not to work with dogs, but to work with people and to sensitize them to listening to their dogs and to move away from training. Because I, as I've already expressed, and in my own experience, training just gets us further from connecting with our dogs the way we want. But the thing is, we'd, since it's the only thing we hear, like when you have a dog, you assume you need to train the dog, right? Like it's the first thing that comes to mind, you need to train the dog. And in that, we miss this part that I was talking about of getting to know your dog, your that real being that it's in front of you that is full of wisdom, full of his own adventure, perspective in life, completely cognitive and sentient and smart, and we tend we tend to minimize their existence and just say, "Oh, but they're lesser than us because they have smaller brains." and one of the things that I I talk about a lot is about the mammalian brain and how all mammals share the same emotional brain. So we tend to minimize dog's emotions. And when in reality, they live this complex life of emotional life that we have very little idea about. Mm. Of course, they have a different perspective in life. They're not humans, they're dogs, but that doesn't mean that different is less than or um, less smart and I, I that's more of that's what we um, talk and share about in dog sensitive how to sensitize ourselves to being more attuned to our dogs oh,
0: that sounds fantastic and where do people go to find more information about you and dog sensitive
1: well it's dogsensitive.com. the thing is is for spanish-speaking communities I'm planning on t- getting out the English version of it. This is actually the first English material officially out there. Because, <laughs> <So, laughs> um, yeah, I started the whole project in Spanish. And this project is pretty new. We have, with DocSensitive has a year and a half. Mm-hmm. I had a previous project, but I left that project. And this is the, the new one. And, um we uh, we plan to roll out in, in English maybe by next year,
0: probably. I but will be looking forward to that very much.
1: <laughs> oh, thank you, Robert.
0: It's thank been you. a pleasure having a chat with you and hearing about Leo and hearing about how he's impacted with your life. And, yeah, I really look forward to seeing what you are going to do with Dog Sensitive. It's an area, I think, that we are, we haven't really touched on in in generalization, I suppose, but, but a lot of people are now starting to just become aware of what actually or wanting to know what's going on inside a dog's mind.
1: Yeah, yeah, really. It was a pleasure too, to be here, Robert. Thank you for having me in your amazing podcast. I really like your project and what you help dogs through. And I think all that you do is amazing. And I think, yeah, what you say is true that more and more people are wanting to know what's inside the mind of a dog. And I want to add to that, that it's very important to think about in individual terms, like what's in the mind of this dog in particular,
0: in particular yes just, absolutely they're all individuals i think
1: yeah everyone that has a multi-dog household can tell you that i mean i don't know how many dogs live with you but every, each dog is very different from the other one i mean it's a world apart every dog that we meet so yeah give them the opportunity to be themselves
0: well said thank you very much again i look forward to catching up with you soon
1: Thank you, Robert. Have a nice day, afternoon, whatever it is over there. Thank you.
0: Thank you very much for listening. I hope that you enjoyed the show. If by chance you didn't, I'd like you to try at least two other episodes just to see if your gut feel is right and if the show is for you. And if you did like it, As per usual, why not tell a friend? And if you feel so inclined, leave a review on whichever application you are listening to this from. Until next week, stay safe and remember, your dog is family.